0: fresh podcast i'm your host mr gq back again to give y'all some more of this freshness i got a special guest for y'all my og uh he's a la you know what i'm saying og he's been in the game for a long time doing it big we got mr dex elliot how you doing brother
1: i'm good bro no.
0: how Go ahead. how's it going
1: no, I'm doing good, man. I'm blessed, man. I'm blessed to be breathing. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah! You, know, you, you keep you, you keep calling me OG, so that's really making me feel blessed to be breathing. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right.
0: You know, oh, yeah, I on, the, on the episode,
1: I'm an OG. Yeah, but go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: Right. Oh yeah. yeah. On the episode I did, uh, maybe the last, last episode or episode before, <clears throat> I told my listeners about you and my and my buddy Jeff. He was like, "Yo, I know him." And hmm. Jeff met you the same way that I met you and I was like oh damn so I don't I don't know if you remember uh, the first time we met it was probably like 2012 out in, in North Hollywood I was walking to 7-Eleven mm-hmm. and you was out there chilling and you hollered at me and you were selling your DVDs uh, for the movie King of Underground mm-hmm. yep and, I remember yeah and that, that's how we link you know and you gave me your info it was like you know holler at me on Facebook or whatever and, and you know we stayed in touch uh, since then <clears throat> and, yes sir On the podcast, I was talking about how you called me and, you know, you gave me some words of encouragement and, you know, um, just, just let me know to keep going with that situation with Diddy. where He was like, you know, don't be afraid to approach these people. You know, he's a man like you. You know, if you got something to say to us to him, go ahead and say it. And I was like, you know, I, I told the listeners, you know, I was like, man, I needed that encouragement because I was beating myself down. Like, man, I fucked up. I missed out on opportunity. And when we got off the phone, I felt better. And I was like, man, Dexter's right. You know, he's been in the game. He's he's dealt with these people. You know, I was like, you know, I'm going to listen to what he said, you know, and like I felt better after we had the conversation. You know, I thank you before, but I'm thank you again. I was like, because I needed that. It, it like, it, like, and, and I looked at it as two things. One, you know what I'm saying? as uh someone older than me you know schooling me on something and then also somebody who was in the game that also knows what's going on so i felt like you know i got knowledge in in two different ways
1: right yeah man well i'm 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 happy that you received it and it was needed i'm happy i was able
0: to give you that word when you needed it bro yeah that's what it's about
1: iron sharpening iron that's what we should be about
0: that's right and then uh and jeff you know he said he met you uh He, he, you hollered at him about the DVD, and and he got it. And I was like, man, that's that's crazy that you know you know him and I know him too, but he, but he said right. that, he said y'all just had uh, like I went in passing or whatever, but y'all never like really spoke after that. But he was like, yeah, I remember him.
1: Right? Yeah, I don't know, I don't know Jeff, but there's thousands and thousands and thousands. We sold over I think almost seventy thousand copies of that movie. So uh, that's what's on on, on the streets underground. So I, mean, I had a a Reputation back in the day for selling my music at the trunk. I sold over 250,000 copies of my CDs out the trunk, state to state. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm like literally the LA Master P that many people don't know about. Like, I mean, like, you know, legendary stories of selling my music and, and buying houses and, and cars and property and, you know, doing all kinds of stuff independently, what, aside from acting. So, yeah, the people that know really know my, my, my story in terms of my underground hustle. So that the, the movie was. When I did that movie, which stars you know you saw so there's a lot of people in it, mm-hmm. based on love michael jamal warner, Snoop, Larry King, anyone you can imagine uh, uh Michael Clark Duncan did a cameo for me, Some of everybody, but that movie um when I finished that movie, it got five distribution offers, and I turned them down because i, I kind of peaked the distribution game at that time it was a lot of it was a lot of pimping going on, pimping from the distributor to the artist or the or the filmmakers. So I decided the movie's about selling out the trunk of the car, so we might as well sell the movie at the trunk of the car. And that was the best decision I could have made in terms of financially. Uh, You know, but the movie's still, the movie's a cult classic. To the people that have it, a lot of people have told me they watched that movie 14 times. Yeah. I'm like, why? But they love it, so I'm not mad at it. It's just a good feeling to know that an independent project made an impact on people. And the last thing I'll say, at one point, I was on you know, years later, I'd be on the streets and people recognize me now you know, people will recognize me from different shows and movies I've been on every now and then, but it, it, for like a good six months straight, people were recognize me strictly from King of the Underground, That's not the TV up. shows that I did. So that felt so much more empowering as a black independent filmmaker and as, a, as, a, as an independent just an entrepreneur to have people recognize you from something that you created and that you made all the financial benefits from. So, you know, it was just like a, it was a real, uh, another, uh,
0: confirmation of independence that's right the power the power of independence yeah all right so can you tell us man where'd where'd you start out where's where's Dex originally from originally from um I was born in Alabama man but um what part of Alabama uh Enterprise a real small small town Enterprise Alabama okay okay I, I got family out there out in Alabama and around them areas
1: okay it's about two hours away from Montgomery so, you know, it was just a bigger, you know, bigger city people know about. But yeah, Enterprise, yeah, Enterprise, Alabama. I moved out here when I was about six years old, five or six years old. Okay. So I tell, people a, I tell people I'm a Calabamian, you know what I mean? So I claim my, my Alabama roots. Right. So that's my little word I came up with, Calabama. But, uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, I've been out here all my life since five. So, um, but, I, I, but I went back to Alabama, like, every summer up until I was 17 years old because my parents wanted me to keep that, those southern roots, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, so I grew up out here in Cali, man, and uh, went kind of the traditional route. Um, uh, moved, to, we I was moved uh, when I lived in South Central. Moved to Gardena, and that's where I kind of uh, got my roots from gar- in Gardena. And as a kid, kind of got introduced to the you know the, the, the typical stuff. LA kids get introduced to the gang banging life. I, I was actually uh, active gang member, uh, unfortunately, for for a moment in time. Um, so my parents my mom in particular who was in law enforcement uh, made a conscious decision to move me out of Gardena. Um, and um, my best friend at the time was got heavy in the, in the drug game and um, he ended up coming to stand with me. Cause he had a lot of people on, on, on that was after him. So we came out to Valencia where my parents moved me. He stayed with me for a year and then, you know, he went back to Gardena ended up getting killed a year later. And um, you know, so you know, a lot of my, a lot of my, my foundation is for, in terms of like the streets and as far as just understanding, you know, the plight of black people in America came from being in Gardena and, and that whole experience of gangbanging and seeing my best friend dying from drugs, drug, selling drugs. And, um, you know, and then I, in, in Valencia was a whole other experience. I, I was, um, introduced to, 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 to white America. It was a predominantly white school. I was called a nigger for the first time. Uh, I beat up a lot of white boys for calling me nigger, slapped a couple of white girls for calling me nigger, and, um, uh, ended up becoming homecoming king by my senior year. So I made a drastic transition and, 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 and was able to, um, excel in an environment that wasn't necessarily one I was supposed to excel in. But, I, you know, I, I, I contributed that to just really like coming to a place where I said to myself, you know what, I'm gonna be me no matter what. And I let the chip off my shoulder. And I realized that everyone in that school wasn't racist. It was just those those bad apples. And um, so when I started recognizing that, I started really becoming friends with a lot of people that were with a lot of white people and, and other people, other nationalities. And, you know, my life really bloomed as a result of that. And I think it made me the person I am today, having those two dual experiences from being in Gardena and being in Valencia.
0: That's what's up. And I remember I saw like when you posted that you went to school out in Valencia, and when I first moved to LA, I moved. I lived down in Santa Clarita I, only for a few mm. months. I was like, "It's too slow out here for me." It's cool if you have a family, but I had to move. You know what I'm saying to the Valley? Right, right.
1: So, so, yeah, yeah. Some, de-
0: go ahead.
1: No, it's definitely it's definitely much slower than out than the Valley.
0: Something I seen when I was doing my research, and I didn't know that <clears> we had in common, is I read that you used to be a counselor for troubled kids who lived in the facility. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 so.
1: Backtracked to, to the Valencia thing. So, um, I end up becoming homecoming king, at, you know, in, at the all-white school, prom king, you know, mm-hmm. best dressed, most popular dude in the old school. And uh, I, I play basketball. I was like one of the star basketball players. I got a scholarship to a, to uh, several schools for basketball. I ended up deciding to go to a local school because I don't want to leave at the time and go out of town. I wanted to stay local. So I went to Masters College, which was like a, a Christian school and um and during that time i was at a, at a point in my life where I, I really the impact of my best friend dying had a huge impact on my life as far as just really wanting to make bet really good choices in life and uh because i saw him make bad choices and lose and um so i um at that time i was, I was going through a period where i felt like i wanted to change the world and uh, so i was at this christian school playing basketball i start doing side jobs and one of my first jobs i worked was, was at um Boys and Girls Club, and then from that, I ended up working. Uh, I ended up running a boys home uh, later on for yeah for troubled uh, young adults. I actually ran uh, an autistic home too for autistic adults. So I was doing all that with my mindset being I really wanted to change the world and make a difference. And and then and then uh, and then I actually went into the ministry. I was actually preaching in, in the pulpit for about three years, and, uh, and and thinking that that was my calling in life. But, you know, after a short period of time, after that three-year period of time, I realized that it was something else that I was supposed to be doing. And that's when acting really came back to slap me in the face because I'd I'd always been creative my entire life. And uh, from there, I left the ministry and got into acting. And, man, within a year's time, I was on a soap opera. I was a regular in One Life to Live. And and at the same time, I booked booked, uh, Boys in the Hood and One Life to Live at the exact same time. So I was, I was supposed to be Ricky and boys in the hood. I turned that role down because my agent at the time told me that the soap opera is a better choice because it's a three-year contract. <laughs> he said, <laughs> you know, this little move, we don't know what this little movie is going to do, you know, which in, 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 in retrospect, you know, in reality, it was a little movie and, uh, and it was a new director. Like my agent at the time explained, and it, you know, I, it was a crap shoot. That, that was his, pretty much yeah. his words, but the, but the ABC offered me a three-year contract, you know what I mean, pretty much of a guarantee. And I'm, I'm sure he was looking at his overall money for, for the long haul, too. He wasn't really – I think he was thinking more about his money than me. My girlfriend at the time, who ended up discovering Tyrese – Oh, hold on, stop. I, Hold on,
0: hold on. Can I stop you right here? Oh, you're going so yeah. fast. So, but hold on right quick. So for those, yeah. for those that missed it, he just said that he got booked to be Ricky in Boys in the Hood. The role that Morris Chestnut played <clears> was originally for Dex – but he, his agent told him not to take it because it was a new movie, a new director. So he went and did a soap opera, a three. He, he signed a three-year contract with a soap opera. So with that, Absolutely. that that worked out because for the first time in in soap opera history, in like white white mainstream America, y'all introduced hip hop. Right? Can you go, right. can you go in and explain that to us?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, it's just one of those things where. I was skeptical, man, because I really did music. It wasn't like music was like something I was doing as an actor. I was really a rapper. So I had reservations about it, you know, and going to the show, they hired Curtis Blow to be the music director. Okay. And so me and Curtis, me and Curtis, to be completely honest, me and him kind of clashed and kind of bumped heads because I was a real rapper and he was this cat that they hired to train actors to be rappers. Okay. So, you know, not only was I a real rapper, but I was a real rapper from Gardena, who's the gangbang. You feel me? So they, they, you know, in that whole Hollywood world, you know, it's a whole nother energy and you're interacting differently. But people don't really know your whole background. So, you know, without that, without someone giving a full background, background, people assume things. So I think that had a lot lot to do with my why me and Curtis clashed. But eventually I end up, you know, calling one night. We end up having a real man to man and we kind of squashed our differences. But so to say all that, to say that, yeah, I think it was it was really a unique time to introduce hip hop from that platform, but I don't really know what. On a, on a long term, I don't know how much of an impact it really made because you don't really hear people talking about it, you know. So, but right. you know, but 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 nevertheless, you know, it, it was an experience, and I'm happy and grateful that I did. I don't
0: regret it because it was meant to be. What was your role on the show?
1: I played a character named Miles Lewis, and uh, I was pretty much the bad boy. And um, uh, the other character, Carrie, Carrie Nichols, was a. Uh, son of the um, Lieutenant. Um, I forgot the guys that played that character, but he was the son of, son, of, son of his son. And we were best friends. We had a group called the K-Funk Mob. And uh, so me and Kerry were best friends, but we ended up having a love interest in common. And it kind of caused a riff in our, in our friendship. So that's kind of like where the storyline was going. But they ended up cutting the storyline after a year. And so I was back in L.A. Uh,
0: auditioning again. Okay, okay. That's what's up. Yeah. And then you mentioned, too, about your girlfriend. And I, I was going to bring that up because I, I remember years ago when you posted that story that your girlfriend was Tyrese's first manager. Can you get into that?
1: Well, yeah. Not, I mean, first manager, first. She's the person that discovered him, period, point blank. Okay. You know, At the time, her and I were dating and uh, and living together. She was living with me. And uh, she called me. She was working at Friday Records. And she called me and said, Dex, I want you to hear this. I met this kid. You know, he called, he called in and sang for me. I want you to meet him. I want you to see, tell me what you think about him. And the kid was Tyrese. And um, I, to be honest with you, I didn't really, I didn't see what she saw at the time, but that just goes to show, you know, she's, and let me back up. She's the same person that when my agent told me to take the soap opera, she was screaming in my ear, take the movie decks, take the movie decks. And I, and I, you know, I listened to my agent instead of my girl at the time. So she had, so look, you know, she was from a family of entertainment. Her dad, you know, was a professional football player who turned into a, uh, a talent agent. So she had, she grew up around that world. You know, I didn't. So she had insight. Uh, but so she, so she discovered Tyrese, and from that point, started bringing him around the house. And I, I actually took Tyrese to get signed with his first commercial agent. I'm the one that was responsible for doing that That's after he saying. did the co- he, he did that Coca Cola commercial. Yeah. After that, I got, I got, him, he got because he did that without an agent. And I got him signed to to a major agent. It was, um, man, what was the name of the agency? Cunningham. Cunningham S. Depini. I got him signed to that agency. I brought him in. You know, he was sitting in my passenger seat at the time. Nappy-headed little kid. You know what I mean? I, I, not nappy-headed. He, 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 well, did he have a hairball yet? I think he had a hairball. He could have off. Um, but Tyrese was a character. When I was around Tyrese, yeah. he was, like, Im- imitating Jim Jim Carrey. And he, was a little, <laughs> he was a young, you know, crazy kid. And, I, you know, you, you had to love him when he was around him. So, yeah, to see him go to to the heights that he's gone to, you know, you know, it's really, you know, it's pretty amazing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's dope. Because I know, you know, randomly, <laughs> you'll post picture. I mean, not pictures. Well, you'll post pictures, but you'll post, you know, like long posts of stories of stuff. And then I, I was I was in a rush, but I saw you had posted something about Cat Williams and skimming through. And I was like, oh, man, that's dope. Because I, I had an encounter with, with Cat Williams a few times, and it was, like, really good. And, you know, it I credit him a lot for, like, my music and stuff because he gave me a lot of advice that I still use to this day. And I was like, man, like, I want to see him again to thank him. I saw him once when I was in traffic, and I was kind of following him, and I was like, maybe I shouldn't. He's been pulling guns on people, and I'm not trying to get shot. I will thank, him. <laughs> I'll th- I'll thank him another day when I see him. Right,
1: right, real talk.
0: Yeah. So, man, something else. Let's let's get into the music. Uh, uh the video you posted a video years ago, and I watched it. And I was just like, oh man, you yeah, like big people in there it was Nori, Elu, Cool J, the song Paper Chasing, and I I, I, yeah. I watched it again today, and I was like, man, like I love it, it's just like it's that old school West Coast feel. And then when he was like Battle Cat, I was like, oh okay, what well, now? I I hear the beat, and I can see where it came from. Like, like let's get in. Let's get into that song first. Like, you know, tell us about that song Paper Chasing. Like, I are looking at it. Like, I know you're not that same person you was before because you talk about like you know i used to be a womanizer and stuff like that and in the video you know you had the women and all that it's early 2000s and it brought back a lot of nostalgia too just to see like the way that video was set up and like what people was wearing i was like yeah man this is you know this is like my my high school middle school era right there
1: Mm. right right yeah i mean that that video man was um that was a good time that was um me and Battlecat had like about already about fifteen years of history together. Okay, uh, I met Battlecat at the and Swamp meet back in early—I mean, like man, early nineties. I, I he, just he,
0: started going up there recently.
1: Yeah, yeah, man. That's how me and Cat met. He—he was like, he knew me from from One Life to Live. Okay. He was like, yo, man, you know. He was like, oh, man, or uh, I'm sorry, let me backtrack. Pooh Bear, his, his, his homie Pooh Bear, uh, recognized me from One Life to Live. And and, and, and I was it de- they might have been together. That's a hard hard for me to remember exactly. But they they definitely they knew me from they were fans of mine from from the soap opera. And um, you know, and um we started doing music together. You know, he found out you know, I told him some Gardena, you know, you know, he had been he's from the sixties. You know, it was just like this whole, you know, we just talking about life and whatever, and we end up you know, he was like my little he was like a little, like little my little homie. That's and awesome. uh, so we started doing music. I started doing music in his backyard at his mom's house and uh, we did like man, like thirty, thirty, forty songs. And at the time he's working, I mean, he had just, I remember, I was there when he did the beat for Domino, that, um,
0: uh, uh, oh, what yeah. is it? Um, here we go, here we go, uh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> sweet, sweet potato pie, what was oh, no, that, pie, oh, no. the name? Uh, oh, you talking about Domino's big song? Yeah,
1: uh, yeah. I was Ghetto, around Ghetto was, Jam. I was a, Ghetto Jam. I was yeah. around when he was doing those, when he did those songs. I was working on Cat during that period. Okay. And, um, you know, I mean, you know, yeah, he was, he was doing bangers. And uh, so we did a lot of music together. So Paper Chase, we had kind of like at the time, the t- Paper Chasing was kind of uh, uh, let me back up. My first record deal that I was ever offered was from Eazy E and Jerry Heller. After um, Battle, I, I was doing my own beats, and what I would do is I started messing with you know after because Cat was getting real busy and kind of like in my you know I was kind of getting frustrated because he wasn't you know available like I wanted him to be all the time. And that's what caused me to start doing my own beats. But um, but but I, I did a song called Lyrical Drive and I just felt like I needed Kat to put his little emphasis on it. So Kat, I got Kat to come in the studio and he did like a little remix or add it to what I did. And then we shot a video for it. And the video director at the time was a cat named Paul Hunter, who was my best friend, who's still one of my close friends. Oh, wow. Yeah, he was, I know Paul. Yeah, So yeah, so Paul got started. So, you know, so many stories. And I got, there was like an ongoing joke that if you want to be famous in Hollywood, come and sleep on Dex's couch. Because literally <laughs> everybody that Everybody that was fucking with me was blowing up and getting all these opportunities. Like after messing with me, so Paul, you know, Paul and I were like close friends since Paul went to that's so we met. Okay. And um so we we were friends since like sixteen years old. And um, I'm the one that told Paul to start directing. Paul was selling industrial tools, and I talked to him into directing because we the cameraman at the time that flaked on us and me and his brother was acting. So I said, Paul, you just, why don't you just take the pictures, man? And he did it, and he and he really get, he really got into it. Uh-huh. so I, I recognized i recognized in him in that moment that man you got a skill i told him to be a photographer at the time but later that developing same, be a director he ended up quitting his job selling industrial tools went to northridge graduated film school and i and, and that, was, that was around the time i was just leaving one life to live well, i was still i was on one life to live and when he got out of film school he pretty much begged me to be in a short film so i i, I flew back out and um and did this this short film we did at, at Paramount lot. I actually brought Faison Love, who was me, and Faison was kicking the song at the time a lot. I brought Faison with me, and Faison, and I think Faison did a little part in it, too. And um, from there, um, time went by, and I, and Paul ended up, he was, like, pretty much, you know, he was he was broke, and he was pretty much begged me to do a video, like, on one of my songs. He begged me to, to be the director of it. Yeah. And I'm like, yo, man, how much is this video gonna cost, bro? And he's like, yeah, hey, man, how many needs, like, 10,000, man, I'm telling you, I'll blow it up, and so I was like, man, 10,000. This is like not in the 90s, right? So I'm like, man, come on, man. That's a lot. So he ended up, yeah. So he ended up talking into us. I ended up spending 10G. And, we, and, and he ended up getting Luma Cranes and all this shit. He brought all this stuff to the, like, he had like donations from people. The school donated stuff. And it was like, we had this huge video considering the time. So we shot Lyrical Drive-By. And from there, uh, Easy saw it. Easy uh, wanted to meet with me. I met with Easy and Jerry Heller. And Easy was sitting there in the office with his Logue song. Talking about the deal he wanted to do with me, and he never looked me in the eye, and that shit fucked with me. I didn't like that, you know. And I and I, and I, I had love. For Easy Easy was always real cool. Whenever I met, I had met him like a couple times before, just in passing, and it was always love. And um, but that was the first time on a business level. Without me, you know my uncle would always tell me, "Cast don't look you in the eye, you know, you can't really trust them." So I just, you know, that was just if that's what it was, I can't say. But that's that foundation was in me, so I couldn't. It, I just didn't feel good about what he was talking about. Right. So I ended up passing on that and I ended up going and signing with Epic records.
0: Oh, okay. um, I didn't know you was with Epic. Okay.
1: For a short time. And uh, so, you know, so, so all that time. So I'm saying I was to get back to the paper chasing. So a lot of time had last between me and battle cats, initial working together. And, uh, I was doing my, my thing, independent selling records like crazy on the trunk. I'd already, had, I'd had got another record deal with EMI, um, um, uh, after Epic. And, um, so I did. I was sending all the music on the ground, get my my name on the streets, and me and Kat ended up reconnecting. And he heard he heard the paper my idea, I said, "Yo, man, want you want you remix it for me?" Well, we used have Blue Palm Studio, and uh, he was working with our uh, Eastsiders at the time. Okay, he was doing the whole He was doing, a whole, Eastsider, he was doing a whole Eastsider album, and uh, so he said, "Yeah, man, you know I got you. Said, I got you. Man, you know I got you, Dex." So we ended up doing the song, and that's how that song came about. And uh, he mixed it, and we did it. Boom, it was done, and everybody had heard it. Was like, "Oh, this shit's fire!" And uh, so we ended up. Uh, uh, and then, my, then I got Paul to come and repay me the favor, and he did, you know. Me and Paul did the video together, oh, and then we and then, me, and then me and Paul went and got all the people. Like we went, and, went and talked to LL, I talked to you know to, to Mac Chan, I talked to Norik and Paul. We Usher was supposed to be in the video, you know. All, all those, you know, uh, the alcoholics are in the video. A lot of people don't really notice them, but they're in there too. But uh, yeah, all that came about just through, just like the old through the street hustle and through all those years of connections and me being like, you know. In, um, very much a uh, a big part of those cats' life. You know, what I mean, a part of their beginnings, right. you know, all coming together in one moment in in support of my movement. And uh, and I ended up getting signed, end up getting a record deal offered to me through to, by TVT Records, who insiders okay. were are were signed to. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Um, and at the, yeah. So, so here's the story from that. So, me, you can cut me off if you need to interject, but no, so, no, no, I, I'm enjoying listening. Keep going. Uh, so I did this song right, the bat, the paper chasing. I went myself. I flew to DC. Cause I'm still independent. Uh, we, for, uh, uh, well, first of all, we met with, um, uh, um, damn, um, uh, me and Paul met with Jimmy Irving. Jimmy Irving watched the video. We were sitting there with me, Paul, and Jimmy Irving. He was like, you know, he thought it was dope, but he wasn't, trying, he wasn't doing nothing. He wasn't trying to move on. He didn't really make nothing clear about doing something. So I kept doing my thing, kept hustling. And um, I flew to D.C. and met with um, the dude, um, uh, Mark Hill, played him the video. And he was like, man, this is fire. We're going to put this in rotation. So they started playing the video on Rap City. And then, so after that, they started playing the video. So they said, just started playing on Rap City. TBT, I, I, uh, Peter Lopez, who was Michael Jackson's attorney and Snoop's attorney, was also my attorney. Um, so Peter Lopez was like, look, TBT Records saw the video and they want, they want, they want, they want, to, they want to sit down and talk to you. And uh, it was a guy named Mark Benish, who also was involved with Tupac's career, who was running TBT. So I, it, I went over there sat down with TBT and they offered me a deal. And they pretty much told me they want, I had two albums. They want the black album, which is what they, what they want, what they need. And the white album was Palm of My Hand. And Palm of My Hand was the album that really was the, the more conscious part of the what they want, what they need. Uh-huh. My, my thing was, I was trying to give people what they want so I can really give them what I felt they needed, what I really was about. But TBT was only interested in the what they want part. They weren't really interested in what they need. And it was a couple, couple other things. They offered me like a half million dollars. And my and my attorney was like, nah, Dex, you can get more. You, you should be able to get more than this. And you know, but in, in the middle of that negotiation period, they told me to pull paper chasing from Rap City because they didn't want the record to burn out before they start putting marketing dollars behind it. So, man, I'm like, you know, I was I was really torn between next. I already got this, I mean I got the thing placed myself. It was about to start taking off. And, you know, and and, and 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 one of the worst decisions I ever could have made, I pulled, I called Mark Hill and told Rap City to pull the video. Because you know, because I, I got a deal. So that so that that burnt that whole thing, and then when the deal with TBT did not come uh, manifest, I was back you know back to doing the record independent again in Houston, and um so you know it's just like you know it's like one of those things man it's like we're always like one step or one decision away from being that household name, or being that you know you know and that record was supposed to be that record that put me on the map yeah. you know and um you know but you know and you know but I went on and continued to sell records on the streets made a, a gang a shitload of money and kept building on my name but you know it still was you know it still it was like a, it was like that that window you know what i mean that window for that particular project was kind of missed
0: i understand yeah like all this and i got one more story um, i got go one ahead. more
1: story with that too let's go let's so, go but, so while i'm doing that record the record's hot why tvt deals on the table before before the deal went straight I'm at, you know, uh, me and Paul go to Snoop's house. I, and I had never met Snoop up to this point. This was like Snoop when he was just leaving. He wasn't on death row. He was, it was a No Limit. So it was like, you know, all the shit that was going on with Snoop. And, uh, and Battle Cat and Snoop was working heavy because they was doing their, their, their uh, East Siders record. So I, I show up at Snoop's house. Battle Cat don't even know I'm coming there. Battlecat's there working. Battle Cat, oh, smack. You know, boom. It was, so me and Battle Cat's like, you know, excited to see each other. Snoop was like, oh, you know, Snoop to know we knew each other. Snoop was like tripping on up Paul and Snoop knew each other at this point. So we we were there strictly to get Snoop to do a record with me for the album, you know, to, to for the Paper Chasing album. So me, Snoop, and Paul go out to the car. We sit in my truck in front of Snoop's house. And uh, we plan some, Snoop some records. <clears throat> and um, one particular record Snoop fell in love with was called Who Shot Tupac, called Too Big. And he was singing that shit for like, like every time I saw Snoop, he'd be singing the hook of that. Uh-huh. and uh so he was like Snoop is filling those records and uh so he's he, he's in the back seat Snoop was like, Yeah he's like, Yeah, DX, yeah man, I'm feeling it, man. I'm gonna lead and I'm gonna guide you in the right direction and blah 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 You uh, know, when he was saying that, you know I mean Snoop didn't know me from Adam, you know what I'm saying? But he was like, you know, that was what he I'm gonna lead and guide you, da, da da da. So I just cut him off. I was like, yo, homie, I'm not really here to be led and guide nowhere. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm I'm doing my own shit. I'm independent, I'm selling my shit out the trunk. I've been doing this shit for years, dog. I ain't I'm not looking for no no handouts, nobody trying to lead and guide me. I'm looking for somebody to collaborate with. That's why I'm here. And I said it real strong. Look back at him. My boy Paul was like, I could tell Paul was hella uncomfortable. Because Paul wasn't really from the streets like me. Yeah. And Snoop was like and Snoop was like took a minute and he was like, Oh, I feel you, DX. You are the king of the underground. I'm the king of the West Coast. We gonna collaborate, man. You family, man. You family He just changed his whole tune up. But he saw it, he was you know he saw who he was who he was fucking with. He wasn't you know what I mean. I think at that time Snoop was dealing with a lot of yes, man. But um so so I think that kind of set the foundation for you know how, because years after that I would see Snoop and it was always mad respect and mad love, yeah. and, and 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 with me, it's all you know you know that's what it's always been about. I've never been into this you know because you got a bigger name or you got a bigger platform that you're bigger than me or you better than me or you got nah, We're men, and it's like you know if you can't respect me on that basis or, 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 or on my own merit, you know there's a problem. There's all you can't go into a relationship like that because you're gonna end up. Not, especially if you're someone like me with a strong personality, the that you end up faking it, and I can't fake it. Something's going to happen. You know what I mean? If I can't be, I got to let you know who I am right up front. That's just how I've always been. Right. So, you know, and, and it ended up being a positive thing. But while I was at Snoop's house, we're working this record. Battle Cat was hooking up the beat. Sugar Free was there. Nate Dog was there. Um, man, the whole the whole clan of Snoop's people was there, right? Uh-huh. So Sugar Free started coming up with this hook. Uh, for the record, the okay, cat was hooking up for us, and, and cat has sampled this little uh, part of Snoop's voice going yeah, 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 and um, and then Sugar Free start coming with this dope ass hook. And I'm like, I'm feeling, I'm feeling, I'm feeling it, and uh, so you know, Battle Cat kept working on the beat. Sugar Free said he had to go to the store real quick, so he bounces out, and Snoop Snoop says I'm about to go upstairs real quick for whatever he's going upstairs for. Snoop Snoop goes upstairs, Sugar Free goes to where to the store like he said he's gonna go to. So it's just me, Nate, Dog, and a few other people in there. And all of a sudden it's like time is passing sugar free ain't coming back. I'm just sitting there going, damn, you know, Battle Cat's kinda like, you know, doing other stuff, whatever. And I'm like, man, what's going on? And uh, and then uh Battle Cat playing said, I'm here to be I'm trying to write. And uh, uh Dogg started kind of like he was like in the back in the corner, right? So Dogg came over and said, What do you think about this? And he to me this little hook, right? I'm like, Man, that's fire, I'm feeling that man. I said, But damn, I'm still feeling that uh that sugar free hook. And Dogg kind of just looked at me like, you know, like, you know, no big deal, whatever. And he walks back over where he was at in the corner, right? And uh, the beast still playing am right? He comes back over again. He said, what'd you think about this? And he saying me another little something, right? I'm like, damn, I'm like feeling bad. And I'm like, because it, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was dope too. But in my mind, I was still stuck on what Sugar, Free, st- what Sugar Free did. was stuck in my head. Like I couldn't get it out. I was like, man, I'm, that's tight too, man. I'm still feeling what Sugar Free was doing. And this time he kind of looked at me like, <laughs> 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 he kind of gave me a look like, you know what I'm saying? And he walked back off, right? Uh-huh. And the dude came back for a third time and sang me another little jingle, little hooky, and I gave him the same reply, bro. Shit. And the dude kind of like he looked at me like I ain't really fuck with you. He it was like he didn't say nothing, but it was like he clearly wasn't fucking with me. And you know this is this is before Nate Dogg was like on every 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 record. He was right. like just starting to be that dude that became who he became, right? Uh-huh. But still, he was he was still you know very much the man as far as you know people still he had he had did some classic hooks already so i tell people all the time I'm, you know i don't know too many people that passed up one nate dog hook but you know but, but passing up three nate dog hooks in one damn night i don't know nobody that kept, ever done that and i
0: barely ever told that story i told the story to like maybe 10 people damn. in my lifetime well thank you for sharing it with me and my audience yeah for real and when i was looking at your acting re- uh, resume, I was like, "Wow!" Like, did a lot, a lot of stuff. We're gonna do a little quick rundown: Beverly Hills 90210, ER, Home Improvement, NYPD Blue, CSI Miami, Last Action Hero with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like that—that that was a huge movie. Yeah, yeah, it was. A, it was a real big movie. Out, out of all, yeah, that- out of all the the <clears throat> the movies and the TV shows which one is your favorite that sticks out the most?
1: Uh, shit. All the stuff I did for myself. Yeah, I can dig it. You know, I mean, all, all the other stuff I did in Hollywood and I just, you know, I recently signed with a with a pretty uh, big uh, theatrical manager. So I'm okay. actually, you know, I, I mean, just yesterday I ran for a big, you know, day before yesterday I read for a real big TV series in my fourth. So I'm, I'm still, I'm, I'm back in the mix, but Honestly, man, there's nothing like doing your own thing, writing, producing. You know, you know, and, you know, I'm really, I'm really a director. You know, I think I didn't realize back in the day, people used to always tell me you should be directing. And I used to shoot it down because I didn't see what they saw because I I was just more interested in, you know, being in front of the camera and being behind the mic. You know, that's just what I was, you know, that was my passion. But until, until I actually directed something and realized that, man, I'm more talented at directing than I am at anything else because it kind of encompasses, everything that I do, you know, and so I love directing, you know, not to say that, you know, I, you know, it's just, it's just, it, I, I love having, I love telling my own stories. I love being in a position to where I'm controlling the narrative because Hollywood has controlled, you know, our image and what we are about and who we can be and putting limits on us for too many, for decades. So being, you know, in a position now with technology where you can tell your own story. And if you have the, the skill set. You know, I feel like I'm a spook that sat by the door in ways because I learned a lot from Hollywood. And now I'm incorporating that in my own personal projects, you know, that knowledge, and experience and understanding. But um, in terms of Hollywood, I definitely appreciate everything I was able to do in the industry and what I'm going to continue, whatever I do, you know, in the near future. I appreciate it. But yeah, man, it's nothing greater than doing the whole thing.
0: Yeah. And good luck with that audition, man. I hope you get that get that role. Like, that's dope. And uh, oh, yeah. Thank you. I feel what you were saying, like, doing your own independent stuff. Like, you have your own company. I have mine, too. Like, it's cool because, you know, you're taking that risk of doing it on your own, but, you know, you get that reward. And then and then the fact is, like, I did this. I didn't need, you know what I'm saying, to go to someone else to do it. I did it on my own. So, like, for right. like one person, you know, who, who does that, like, respect. Because, you know, it's, it's not it's right. not easy. It's not easy at all. So, yeah, right. respect. So speaking of right. your own company, you still have Brown Rice Entertainment.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Can you yeah. t- can you tell yeah. us
0: about that company?
1: I mean, Brown Rice that that came about, and it's, and, and it's, it's, it's the synonym for Brown Rice is Black, original, wise, Nubians, reversing ignorance, commanding and elevation, and the universal meaning is be real, original, wise, new, reverse ignorance, commanding elevation. So you know, that's like you know for everybody, inclusive, but. Originally, it was, you know, I came up with and started my production company because of what what I'm saying now. I got tired of waiting, depending on other people and, um, and not doing the kind of projects that I necessarily believe in. So, you know, very young, I thought like I was thinking independent and, uh, start doing, you know, I, I, at the time I had a pretty nice size building, had a studio set up in there, had some film equipment also. I had at the time Paul was one of my, uh, one of my, um, um, he was, he was assigned to me. I had a, a, girl named Kim Hill who ended up being on the Black Eyed Peas. She was the first, before Fergie, she was a singer on the Black Eyed Peas. She was my artist. She was assigned to me. I had, um, a, a young kid named J-Rock, um, not the J-Rock from Watts, but, uh, J-Wells, who ended up doing an album with Corrupt and worked, did a lot of records with Snoop and all kind of people. And, um, and, and a couple other people, my group after Mecca, who ended up getting a deal with, who ended up getting a deal with EMI. So I had this, you know, had all that going for myself and you know and, 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 you know, and, and we're doing independent independent things back then. And um and that kind of has, has been the spirit to this day. Yeah, you, know, you know, um I'm you know I I I continue on, you know, and um and like I said, I, I put a lot of value on the stuff I've done for myself. Right.
0: You're heavy in the streets with uh, activists. Can you can you tell us about that. Cause I, I see you post all, a lot and uh, you're very <clears throat> passionate about that.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, cause my whole base, like, you know, with the name of my company, you know, black, original, wise, new black, original, I mean, black, real, original, wise, new beings reversing ignorance commanding elevation, you know, brown rice is, you know, got the whole, that was the whole purpose. It's like to make consciousness popular, to make consciousness, um, put it on, on 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 the forefront. You know, I think, you know, in the black community, a lot of times we feel like the only thing that's going to be successful is, you know, exploiting, exploit, exploitation. Right. And that's not true. It's like it's all about, you know, what you believe in and how much you believe in it and, and, and what you say you believe in. You know, so, you know, I, I, I've never been wanting to really sell out. I've had moments where I did stuff that I'm not proud of, but I always kept, I was always conscious and always had that Desire to make a difference and, and and to be a voice for the people, you know what I mean, for my people, and 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 in the following the footsteps of people I admire like Malcolm X and Fred Hampton and Marcus Garvey, and the list goes on. You know, they made a major impression on my life, and I feel like you know that's really what we're here for—to use our art and use our gifts to speak truth to power, to to motivate people to write, to to, to bring people up out of the you know downtrodden state that they're in. I don't think it's about us bloating attention on ourselves and being look at me and look at the money I got. I think that's some counterproductive mentality that we are taking on in this European society. You know, but I think if we really were thinking in the right way and thinking about building each other up and using our platforms in the right way. We'd be a whole in a whole different space as a people. You know, and some, 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 some athletes and some artists are thinking that way, but not, not nearly enough and, and, and I think they all need to go a little bit deeper. But I think it, what's difficult is when you really are uncompromising, it's hard to get to that biggest stage. You know, they make it difficult for you because they see you coming a mile away. So you got to find ways to kind of get in, and you know, without compromising. And that's the thing. I, I refuse to. I'd rather stay anonymous than to become popular for all the wrong reasons. So it's like, you know, it's like you got to just, you know, you just got to just keep doing what you're doing and believe that it will eventually reach the, the, the audience that it's supposed to reach. But yes, activism is number one for me, man. Because I think that's—I think activism is what is about purpose, and I think our life should be about purpose. It shouldn't be about uh, possessions and, and, and materialism.
0: Yeah, that's right. You know, I was out there doing a lot of the protests, like downtown, <clears throat> and then back in my hometown, because uh, where I'm from—that's where the Breonna Taylor murder happened. So, yeah, you know, mm. ever since, like, all that stuff and, like, all these, and, like, injustices have been going on, I've been out there, you know, trying to do my part and, and support, you know, and just try to help make some change and a difference in this crazy-ass world.
1: Right. That's good, man. Yeah. Respect.
0: Thank you. Thank you. So, what projects are you working on now that you got coming out that we can check?
1: I'm working on, uh... I've been writing a TV series, man, for about three years now. Um, uh, I won't give the name out, but it's, it's, um... Uh, it's something real, I'm really, really proud of. And um I'm getting pretty close to shooting a pilot episode uh for the project and start shopping it, and start shopping it. You know, it's not um uh, it's not it's not a cookie cutter type thing. And it's not some um uh, you know, it's not some um uh, some uh, slapstick either. It's some real some real some real some real ish, some real spit. Um and uh, but it's but it's you know, but it got it got comedy comedy, comedy, dark comedy elements to it and it's dealing with a lot of issues that I'm passionate about in a way that's very creative and um I'm super excited about it man you know about creating you know black heroes black anti-heroes and you know giving giving people alternative you know alternative uh, images to look at and that's what I'm you know that's what the project is about
0: i can dig it if you ever need some actors man let me know I'm trying to build up my resume
1: oh i got you i got you man it's gonna be it's gonna if, if you know, not if, but when it all unfolds the way I, you know way I envision it, man, it's gonna be room. You know, that's my one of my. That's something I really you know look forward to doing is bringing people on, discovering new people, you know, and um, and, you know, working with with a lot of black people behind the scenes and in front of the camera, you know, because I think a lot of times I've seen a lot of my peers, you know, reach massive success and then stop working with, you know, their people, and you know, as if their people have no talent. Like all of a sudden you get. To where, you know, you're at a certain place where you feel like you got to only work with these, you know, people that are have been greenlit by someone else. Yeah. But, you know, those people that, that have greenlit someone else, they greenlight their own people. They don't wait for you to say, oh, I think, you know, Matt Damon's good. No, they greenlight Matt Damon themselves. They're looking to discover new white uh, actors and actresses every day. But us, we get, um, you know, when we get in certain positions, we get real... Uh, Nervous about you know putting people in, in, in that are new or not new but that aren't uh, world nationally recognized to give them their shot, and they might be a hundred times better than the person that you put in that position that's right you know so you got got to take chances on people you got you know you got you got definitely stick with your own your own your crew of people that came up with you man it's like because you'll never have that chemistry with no one else so you know yeah believe in your people and believe in your folks and I look forward to doing this yeah definitely man I would definitely holler at
0: you yeah i appreciate that can before we get out of here can you tell the people where can they find your products the movie the music your social media all of that
1: okay um so my social media uh is um on instagram is dex elliot uh that's two l's two t two t's dex Elliot one um i saw on our instagram and uh facebook is dex Elliot um youtube you know, just put in dex Elliot, you'll see a bunch of stuff or brown rice entertainment but dex Elliot is probably the easiest way and um the movie King and Underground could be bought on my website uh dot com uh, or or just king and dot com and um yeah and just look for look look for the you know the, the coming project um i can't like i said i'm not giving away the name right now but um, my 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 new series uh that 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 would be something I'll be shopping and probably like Showing clips on 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 social media, the trailer and all that type of stuff. And yeah, I got you know I got album, got a new album working on. I got all kind of stuff I'm working on. I'm constantly working. And a lot of the music I do now, I plan on featuring them my in my in my series. So you know, I'm in my clothing line, Revolutionary Threads. You know, please support that, um, RevolutionaryThreads.com. And um, hey, you know, that's that's I think that's pretty much it.
0: Yes, sir, man. I, I thank you for man for this. I know uh, we was trying to we we was trying to get this done months ago and scheduling all that. And then when I I was like, "Yo, we can do a Friday." And I hit you. You was like, "All right, I'm filming. We can get it done." So yeah, I know you was pressed for time, but man, I thank you so much, brother.
1: Man, no, nah, man, it's my pleasure, bro. I, I appreciate you even um, you know, you know, thinking enough to want inter- to interview me. I don't take nothing lightly. Everybody that. That you know sees value in what you do means something, man. I, I never take stuff like that for granted, and I never will. I, I, even if I'm like, even when I, even when the whole world knows about my project, I'll never take anything lightly like that, you know. So, I appreciate it.
0: That's right, man. And thank you for for coming on and telling us these stories. Because yeah, I was shocked. I, I didn't know nothing about the boys in the hood and with Easy e and all that stuff, so man, thank you, man, just for sharing that, and so hopefully we can get you back on here in person, and you can just share way more stories, because I, I was just sitting, just listening, like, damn, I ain't know none of that was going on. Right, no,
1: it's all good. I got you. I got you, man, and I wish you nothing, but you know, major success. I mean, you're doing a good job, man. You know, your, your interviewing skills are uh, pretty, you know, pretty on point. You know what I mean? I don't know how long you've been doing it, but I'm, I'm impressed, and I, you know, I, I can see a bright future, you're doing this, so absolutely. Now, keep doing your thing, and no and telling what we can do in, in, in the future together. So, yeah, absolutely.
0: Thank you. And hey, I, I might need to come and sleep on the couch, man, and so I can shoot up to the sky like everybody else did.
1: You know, I'm so saying I sold that particular <laughs> couch, man. But
0: oh man, come <laughs> I,
1: on, I probably should have held on to
0: it. <laughs> yeah, it's all good, but yeah, bro, we'll, we'll be in touch, man. I appreciate you.
1: Yeah, man, you too, brother. I appreciate you. All
0: right, man, take it easy.
1: You too. God bless. One love.
0: Love.